Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. Well, we're going to go to Troy Newman. Troy is he has all the scars of having been in this movement forever. So, Troy, give us a quick overview of so the people who are maybe newer and they don't understand the history. They don't understand. We obviously have the blood running under our streets for 63 million babies, but there's been an enormous price paid by many of you on the street. You're one of them. <clears throat> I got drawn in, in in 83 with intensity in this, 1983. The Catholics saw it immediately in 1973. They jumped on board. The evangelicals took almost a decade before yeah. we got ramped up. We didn't grasp what was happening. It just, it just flew over the head of most of us. So the Catholics were way in the lead on this and frankly continue to produce the numbers. If you go to the March for Life, uh, my gut feeling is uh, when you see 500,000 people marching uh, each January, it's 80% Roman Catholic, uh, it'd be my, my sense. I don't have hard numbers on that. But Troy, uh, I, I, I originally met, uh, I met you, I met uh, Flip Benham. Uh, I saw what he went through. I don't know how many times he went to jail. I saw Randall Terry. I don't know how many times he went to jail. <clears throat> and 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 Troy, you stayed right in there. Tell us uh, tell us the story. Give us give us a quick overview so people have an understanding of the incredible price that was paid. We're so grateful for you. Well, Jim, I I uh, I can't thank you enough uh, for your friendship over the years, and uh, I I think I feel just an overwhelming sense of the Holy Spirit emotion. You like David danced before the ark, you know, naked. And I just am so jubilant that that our king, that our king that rules the world, that's coming back on a white horse with a sword, is still instrumental in the lives of uh, of and in, in the prayer lives and in our physical lives here in America. I get so emotional because I've always believed that we we're going to end abortion. I've always believed it. John 14, 14 says, if you ask anything in my name, he's going to give it to you. Amen? That, so that's, what, that's how we started. We started on our knees. And before I even get started, I want to say, I think it was Johnny Carson on his late night shows would say, never go after an animal or a child. And I'm going to add one more thing. Never go after an incredible legal scholar like Michael Ferris, because he is incredible. And I don't even want to touch, you know, that's where, you know, angels tread to go where Michael goes constitutionally. And I'm in awe of him. And I, I just love him. He's a dear friend and a brother and, and, uh, and, and has been a, a mentor in my life over the years. But uh, we started, uh, uh, like you said, in 1973, I think the evangelical world was caught flat footed uh, we didn't know where we were going. The, the, the Catholics had treatises and, and, and documents on this that they had written beforehand. Uh, but by the mid-80s, we were getting involved big time. And uh, we brought to the movement the Holy Spirit, if you will. And I don't want to negate anything that our Catholic brothers and sisters have done. But we began on our knees. We understood that this was first our problem. It was a problem with me. And we needed to repent for our apathy, for our participation, for our lack of concern, for moms, for the, for, for, you remember back in the 80s, I mean, we were, if you read Francis Schaeffer, we, we kind of divorced ourselves of, uh, of what was going on politically. And we're just trying to get people saved. 
and uh, and it just took off like a fire. I remember the first time I got involved was when someone saw showed me a picture of an aborted baby, and maybe we've all been at that point where. The first time we saw a picture of an aborted baby, I was a young man, and I said, this can't be happening. This looks like something I saw uh, in school uh, in, during the Holocaust. People's bodies burned and stacked up and, and buckets of bodies of babies. And I literally cried, and I said, not in my America. And so I, uh, and, and, and like a lot of us in the rescue movement, just went out into the streets. We started talking with pastors and anybody that would listen to us with these pictures, look at this, look what's happening. And we, it, a lot of it just fell on deaf ears. And so we began to organize and we would go to these abortion clinics that were at that time just scattered throughout the nation. They were practically on every street corner. Jim, remember in San Diego, there were dozens and dozens of them. They were everywhere. Uh, level one abortion clinics that just did abortions exclusively and level two abortionists that would do them out of their OBGYN clinics. And we said, no, we're not going to tolerate this in our city. So we began to speak with the, uh, the pastors and we would organize in front of these abortion clinics. That organization began rescues in the vein of Martin Luther King, these peaceful, nonviolent. We'd sit in front of the doors of these abortion clinics and we'd be arrested. Uh, we, we, a lot of us would go past, we'd just go limp. We'd be thrown in jail at first. It was a $25 fine you know, for trespassing. Most of us would just get bumped out right away and then the fines would get larger, the jail times would get bigger. In 1994, after Clinton was elected, many Republicans voted for the FACE bill, and the FACE stands for Freedom to Access Clinic, Clinic Entrances Act of 1994, which made it a felony to sit in front of the doors of an abortion clinic. Now, you can sit on, you know, in front of a nuclear power plant or now a meatpacking plant or, uh, you know, any, anything, anything else, but if it's an abortion clinic, you're, it's a felon. A felony. And I've been convicted of that uh, under Janet Reno. The, they literally directed a whole task force within the civil rights division of the Department of, of Justice to come after us. You talk about the battle scars. Uh, they had the VAPCON. It was called the Violence Against Abortion Providers Conspiracy. And the federal government spent millions of dollars reading our mail, tapping our, and this is the early 90s, the mid 90s, reading our mail, tapping our phone lines, coming to our houses. The cell phones were just new in existence. They're, they're, they're stealing our donations and reading uh, uh, our, our mail. They're, they're stealing our donor databases, which were rudimentary, and talking to our donors. Uh, they, they, they began a RICO lawsuit. The, the illustrious Joe Shiler, the godfather of the pro-life movement, spent 18 years in a RICO lawsuit, uh, racketeering lawsuit to the Supreme Court three times and finally won in an eight to one decision. Uh, I'm a convicted <laughs> racketeer. You maybe remember a few years ago with the baby body parts expose uh, that started in my office where we said, how can we go after, because what we do is we expose the abortion industry. I'm, I'm just a foot soldier for Jesus. I'm just a warrior out there. And, and when we see these women being maimed in the abortion clinics, sometimes being killed, I've read more autopsies of women who've been murdered and slain uh, by these abortionists. And, and, and the results are horrific. I, I mean, I, I can't even speak about them in good company about the way these women have died. 
uh, the, the lack of cleanliness, the reusing of needles and surgical instruments, passing um, venereal diseases off from one woman to the next, the lack of licensing. We exposed Kermit Gosnell in Pennsylvania, the first abortionist, by the way, in 50 years who was convicted of first degree murder for three, for three of the thousands of babies that he killed. And I thought that when I, when I saw that, I thought that was the beginning of the end for the abortion industry. He's sitting in jail with a life sentence. He avoided a death sentence by uh, uh, saying he wouldn't appeal his case. And so he's, he's not sitting on death row right now, but he was, he was found guilty of killing three unborn innocent babies, first degree murder, but Karma Mayamonger, the woman that he also killed during a surgical abortion, he was found guilty of manslaughter. So when I saw that, this is a pivotal moment. Uh, but no, we've, we've as, the, as just the warriors on the street, we've been, I've been thrown in jail for preaching in front of high schools in San Diego, handing out pro-life tracts. I remember one time, a police officer, I'm, you know how when the schools get out, there's hundreds and hundreds of people that the kids are coming out and I'm passing out this literature left and right. You know, this is the stuff your teachers don't want you to read. This is the stuff the principal doesn't want you to read. And the police officer said, you hand out one more tract, you're going to jail. And I said, you mean like this? <laughs> and I wound, I wound up in jail. And I'll never forget this, uh, Jim and Rosemary, because um, I was sitting in uh, downtown San Diego jail and I was schooled by one of these lieutenants. And they said, you know, Mr. Newman, um, the way to affect change is not to protest and not to get arrested and, and not to do what you're doing, but you need to work long-term and you need to get people elected to office. You need to, uh, people that share your views, congressmen and senators, and get a, a president that will uh, uh, appoint Supreme Court justices. And then you need to get a law and I'm like, yeah, I understand that. And I'm here for the long term. I'm rest Our mission is to rescue the baby sentenced to die today. Today. So we're saving the babies today, but I'm also looking down the road. And when you look through the long history of the pro-life movement, Jim, you were, with the, you were one of the only pastors, and I'm going to say the largest church, Skyline was the largest pro-life church in San Diego that with a pro-life message. There were several smaller churches, but this was indicative across the nation. You couldn't get a pastor to talk about the pro-life movement. I got kicked out of several churches. Well, I wouldn't say kicked out, pleasantly asked to leave. You know, <laughs> you know maybe, maybe you would fit in better in another church, like uh, Pastor Garlow's church or Pastor Cass's church or something. Uh, and that took a toll on our, you know, on our children, uh, on, on my wife, on my family, you know, uh, when we're just trying to go to Sunday school and you're that guy, we saw you in the news, we saw you in the paper, you know, we've been sued by, I can't tell you how many times I've been drugged into court, uh, being sued by the abortion industry. Uh, anyway, uh, it, but you know what, uh, I, it reminds me of Hebrews. Uh, 12 by 12 4 says you, uh, you in your struggle against sin you haven't resisted un, uh, unto uh, the shedding of your blood so I really counted all joy I'm I always Planned Parenthood 17 million dollars as a racketeer uh, I've been jailed we've been beat up we've had our office uh, damaged multiple times and death threats um uh, many, many death threats. In fact, there's two people sitting in jail right now for threatening uh, uh, our lives here at our office. So I am thankful for some good law enforcement agencies uh, and some good, uh, you know, people that, uh, that that do enforce the laws on the books. But uh, for every one, there's countless more that have participated in an abortion 
whether a police officer, a judge, a federal agent that would rather kick us in the head than prosecute the bad guys. But overall, it's not just me. It's, it's you know, I'll say this, Jim, there, the pro-life movement, the, the Operation Rescue part between the late 80s to early 90s was the largest, now hear me now, the largest civil disobedience movement in our nation's history. The, the numbers in the civil rights, maybe 18 to 20,000 arrests, peaceful arrests for nonviolent protesting against uh, discrimination. But with Operation Rescue is 75,000 people. We're talking moms, dads, grandmas, kids, and not one for a violent act. 75,000 people sacrificed their time in getting arrested in front of abortion clinic doors for peacefully protesting against abortion. And again, the fruit of that is if you look in 1991, which is the high water mark for abortion in America, there's 2,176 abortion mills in the state. 2,176. Today, that number is 718. We know because I count them every single year. We're the only organization that counts them. That's a reduction of almost 70%. 70% of the nation's abortion mills have closed. Why do I count them? Because we know when the supply, supply and demand, when the supply goes down, the demand goes down also. And so we've saved almost a million babies per year. And the pregnancy counseling centers outnumber the abortion clinics five to one. So of course, the, 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 we're, we're going to see huge fruits because Christians are activated. I, I would say the devil meant it for evil in 1973, but God meant it for good. Because look at the, look at the activism, the involvement, the engagement of Christians' hearts who have been broken for the babies, broken for God, and they got up off their knees and said, what can I do? People that went to jail with Operation Rescue are congressmen right now, senators. They've served in the White House. They're priests. They're pastors. They've opened up pregnancy counseling centers. They've become missionaries and gone all over the world, and they got their start on their knees at an Operation Rescue event. That's not me. That's Jesus saying, rise up, O men of God. Who shall I send? And they, we all said, send us. So I'm not sure if I, co I covered a lot of, a lot of uh, ground there. Uh, but overall, Jesus is king. He rules the world. And I trust that. And I know that he is going to continue. Ebenezer, he did good things yesterday. He's doing good things. He's provided for us today. And based on those two principles, we look forward and know that he's going to do it in the future. I know things that we can't talk about of what this man has gone through for this. I could, I could talk for hours on what my buddy Flip Benham has gone through. Uh, astounding things. I was with Randall Terry back in the beginning of Operation Rescue. One time he was in Fort Worth. I said, Randall, I can uh, arrange for a media press conference here very quickly. We contact the media and ask him to come. He kept walking. He didn't turn around and answer me. I said, Randall, I talked a little louder. I thought we could do a media uh, event and get the press here. If you want to do it? And if I turned around, he stuck his finger right in my face. He said, I have one word for the press, repent. And he turned around and walked <laughs> off. And it's I all said, about you know that's worth That's worth calling a media a press uh, just for that right there. Can you hear that? Uh, we, either, we just flew in just moments ago, Rosemary from Louisiana. We were at a conference here, it was primarily Catholic, uh, Catholic conference. It was really awesome on what they did. And one of the persons who spoke on the same panel with me, he had, he had to speak by Zoom the last minute. 
was Eric uh, Scheidler. Oh, the son of the man you referred to and the RICO lawsuit for 18 years. And he described what their family went through. We might have you in a moment explain what RICO actually is, why it's such a serious charge to have against you. But to see the abuses that came on people who tried to save lives. I was pastoring in Dallas, Fort Worth. At one point, I, I, I said to the pro-life people, I said, you need to get a pastor of a larger church. My congregation at that time was only about 600 or 700 or something. I said, get, get, get one of the larger guys. And they burst out laughing. I didn't know why. They said, are you kidding me? We can't get any of the larger church pastors. You are by far the largest church, main pastor who will come and stand with us. We made our church the headquarters for Operation Rescue for a major event. We had to have people watching from the roof of our church to try to protect us. We had to have high security just because mm -hmm. we hosted Operation Rescue. Uh, I believe it was during the Republican convention uh, going on at, at the time. 1996, of, that's correct. Well, that was at Skyline Church during 96. Yes. I'm referring, we, we hosted back in Dallas, Fort Worth at Metroplex Chapel, and I was pastoring there at that time. There were 12 killing centers in Dallas, Fort Worth at the time, 12 abortuaries. And by the way, someday, just like we tour the concentration camps and the death camps in Germany, someday mm -hmm. people are going to tour the abortuaries, the killing centers, and they're going to say, grandkids are going to say to their grandparents, what were you doing? Did you stand against this? Did you know about this? What did you do to, to, to mm -hmm. stop this at this time? There were three on the Fort Worth side and nine on, I, I think I've got my numbers right, on the Dallas Fort Worth side. So what we do is go once a month on Saturday, early in the morning, just so you know what Operation Rescue would do. And, and they would go, and they go early in the morning and go to a, a, one of the killing centers and shut it down by circling it. <clears throat> and there'd be people sitting everywhere. The police would show up, of course, and they would start the arrest. The first time I went, I was shocked. Uh, I, I'm an advocate and a defender of the police, but I saw for the first time police not conducting themselves properly. And the brutal treatment was a shocker to me. I went to Dallas City Hall and complained strongly. The result was I ended up became the liaison between the Dallas Police Department, uh, that particular, the tactical unit, <clears throat> and the group. And they allowed me to stand three feet from each arrest. They approved this. That was back in the day, nobody had cell phones with, uh, with cameras. Right. Uh, we had these huge, huge cameras. And, and so uh, we, we, we had one. And so they would allow my buddy Tom stand with a camera and I would stand there with the captain of the tactical unit and observe air rescue because they, I saw people dropped on their faces. I saw their clothes drug off of them. Uh, and then they, 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 they intensely humiliated women uh, in, in yes. a way. I saw Flip Bennett dropped on his face one time on the concrete. I was just in shock with his hands strapped behind him. And so as a result, I met each Thursday before a Saturday rescue with the tactical unit. And, and, and I would say, I, I appeal to, we'll pay for gurneys. If you'll haul them in gurneys, treat them right. You're not the court. We have no right to punish these people. I went to court many times to testify on behalf of a number of the brothers. But I, my hat's off to you, all of you, 75,000 of you that were arrested. How, how, many, how many times have you been arrested? Uh, I lost count after a dozen, uh, several, at least a couple dozen uh, lawsuits, probably just as many. I. I've been to court more, more times than I can count. Uh, Michael Ferris guys have helped me. Jay Seculo's guys have helped me. Uh, life Legal Defense. I, I, one time I said, uh, boy, I hate attorneys, just off the top of my head, you know. And then I went and I said, you know what? I think I have more friends who are attorneys than anybody else. I probably have more friends than I have socks in my drawer. Uh, more attorneys that work for me right now than I have socks in my drawer. And I went and counted my socks and I counted all the attorneys on my list. And I do. 
<laughs> the, so, the, and you have, did you say $17 million? $17 million in, in one lawsuit for Planned Parenthood, six and a half million in another lawsuit and other sundry lawsuits that uh, I've, I've never even tried to keep count of. Now, uh, folks, it, it, when the history is finally told on Roe v. Wade, when we turn this nation pro-life and, and righteousness bubbles up and truth wins, there's going to be a huge section on these who operate in civil disobedience, what is scripturally defensible. When I testified in court, I went to court over and over and testified on behalf. I, I, I went in on behalf of the people who got arrested and made the biblical case and went through all the examples in scripture where people defied the government because they obeyed right. the Lord. Right. And that is precisely what Operation Rescue did. It was totally legitimate. They're, they got severely criticized sometimes from church people. Yes. I cannot tell you the arguments I have with other pastors. I won't go into that except to say these are the heroes that will be remembered. And the wimps who would not show up, their names are obliterated from this story. So I got to tell you, uh, I try, I cannot tell you how much you and all the guys like you who stood with this day meant. I, I was shocked in my own when, 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 it, when it happened, when I heard Roe v. Wade, I actually broke down crying. I was shocked at my response. I did not. I did not anticipate right. that. Didn't think about it. I actually started crying in that moment. I just couldn't believe. I didn't. I actually didn't think in my lifetime I would get to see this. I just didn't think I'd see it. And so, what a glorious moment this is for us, and especially a tribute people like you. Anything you want to share, Rosemary? You going to say something? And then go ahead. Your turn. Well, just in honor of all of our wonderful Catholic friends, you know, it was on one of the holy days, the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I grew up in a wonderful Catholic pro-life, pro-family home, and we had a big picture of the sacred heart of Jesus. And this <laughs> was the day when God said, this is my heart. This is sacred to me, the lives of the unborn. And we were at a conference for survivors of the sexual revolution. And the, there's the, a the whole, last couple of days, last couple of days. So the, there's a whole nother aspect and it's all the women who have had abortions mm. who are trying to deal throughout their life with the trauma and the tragedy of what they did. This is a whole nother group who will be spared this, this evil, evil assault on their own heart and emotions and future reproductive um, capabilities. So it's the women too, as well as the babies that are being saved. Yeah, the, the, the conference we were just in, I wish we could just pack everybody up and go back through the last two days of the experts, scholars, plus individuals who've been harmed by the sexual revolution, harmed by abortion, harmed by homosexuality, harmed by transgenderism. Uh, the people who are actually have been harmed by it were there mm -hmm. and gave reports. And, and the, the massive harm, the murder and the slaughter of 63 million babies is is beyond what anything we can grasp troy anything else you want to share before we're, we're going to go to prayer again in a minute uh just praising god for this that we've seen this day we're, we're really at the only at the end of the beginning so now we start a new fresh battle state by state but praise god we got to this place troy yes. what other thoughts do you have yeah that's the first thing we needed to do is throw the yoke of oppression of the federal government mandating this and as uh, alito said you know there's raw judicial power taking it out of the hands of the people so now we can go state by state and uh and 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 physically make state by state an abortion free city and i wrote a whole book about that it's called abortion free 
But I do look forward to the day where the, the whole nation is completely uh, eradicated from human sacrifice. Like 504 years ago when Cortez landed on the Yucatan, he found human sacrifice, cannibalism. I've been to Chinsen Itza where they ritual, ritualistically murder, bent people over this jaguar and cut their still beating heart out and offered it to the gods. Many of those pagan um, uh, temples, if you will, are now converted into Catholic churches. They take the stones, they pulled them down and converted them into churches. My office is a former abortion mill. We closed it down, and now we're launching our operations to close other abortion mills from a closed abortion clinic. See, God can redeem buildings. God can redeem nations. God can redeem people. God is in the business of redemption. And, and if I have one final word, that's it. God has not given up on America. We're not on this predestined slope into the abyss, but America is the last best hope. I'd rather be tried under RICO, which stands for Racketeering Influenced Corrupt Organization. Racketeers, what they want to try Al Capone with and the mafia. I'm a, a mafia member to the, to the left. I conspire to save babies, and that is the worst crime the left can think of, is to shut down these abortion clinics. I'm not ashamed of it. We shut down abortion clinics, and we're going to do it again and again and again, not in our power, but in Jesus' power. And going back to what you were talking about, uh, they use nunchucks on us. You're right. They beat us. They take us behind the uh, police cars and spray us. In our, they lift up our eyes and spray us with pepper spray. And then you're right. They humiliated the women. They take off their shirts and throw them in jail. And it was, just, it was horrific. But one thing I'm so blessed by is all these people that we talked about, these 75,000 plus people that were involved in the, in the, the protest movement, just moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas. We didn't ever focus on ourselves and the injustice that was done to us because we focused on the babies. One time we held a press conference. Uh, I think it was in Washington, D.C. Jerry Horn was there. Randall was there. Flip was there. We had a, a, a casket in front of us. And all the media, we had a very important thing we were going to say. And all the media was there at the press conference, you know, CNN and ABC and NBC. And we said, okay, we're ready to start the press conference. And we opened up the casket. And it was baby choice, a baby that in, in uh, six months old burned through a saline abortion. And we walked out of the room. We said, anything you want to know about this movement is right here. And that's all we need to know. These babies are created in the image and likeness of God. I started this by saying, if you ask anything in my name, John 14, 14, he'll give it to us. Does God want abortion clinics to close? Yes. Does he want babies to be saved? Yes. Does he want moms to be spared the trauma of abortion? Yes. Does he want to redeem America? Does he want America to turn around and repent and be a godly nation again? Yes. We're on the right path. Aslan is on the move. Aslan's on the move. So I don't know. I, we could talk forever, but Jim, it's, a, it's an honor to be here. And it's an honor to serve Christ the King. The, the sacrifice is minimal compared to the joy of serving our King Jesus. Troy, the, uh, the epitome for me of the movement that you're part of 
occurred one Thursday morning when I was meeting with the captain of the tactical unit, Dallas Police Department, and about four of his officers were in a room at the Dallas uh, City Hall. And a young man who had, who had kind of taken over from Flip at that time in the Dallas Fort Worth, he was a young Catholic MIT graduate, brilliant scholar. And he later went into the Catholic priesthood. He was there with me. He wasn't profoundly articulate. And so I was to be the spokesman. That was their designation. So I was making the case. I says, I don't like the way you're treating these guys. You're treating them wrongly. You arrest them, okay. But brutalizing them is false. It, it's wrong. It's just not right. And we were quite intense argument. And they were saying, the police were saying, look, we know how to handle protesters. You don't. We handle the union protesters, the homosexual protesters. We handle the, you went through all these groups, radical groups. We handle all these protests. We're, we're experts. And finally, the guy who was supposed to be silent, this young man, this MIT graduate, who was, was quite a bit younger than me, he says, wait. He says, I, I don't care what you do to me. Because you don't understand, he said to the police, he got really quiet, he says, we're not protesting. You think we're protesting. We're not, we're not protesting at all. What we're doing is we're taking responsibility in ourselves. Mm. We're not blaming the abortionist. We're not blaming the, the, the congressman. We're not blaming the justices. We're not blaming the women getting abortion or the men paying for them. We're not blaming any of them. We think the fault is the church of Jesus Christ and that we have allowed this to happen. The blood is on our hand. We're yes. doing this as an act of repentance. Consequently, he, he went on with such passion. He said, do to me what you want. You can tear me limb for limb. You can kill me. I don't care because I'm doing an act of repentance for the sin. And the blood is on my hands for the killing of these babies. I was utterly stunned and speechless. And so when I look at all of you who protested, I hear that man's voice. That's what you were doing. It was an act of repentance because the only way we could get to a point where 63 million babies were killed across 49 years is the church. The church was silent. A portion of the church activated a remnant. Most of the church didn't give a rip. And so those of you who did represented us well by your acts of repentance. You're a hero. I praise God for you. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.